0: hey there this is story story late night the positively shameless black sheep of the storytelling family where you hear bleep worthy stories on an unblushing theme we need your support text the code storypod to 44321 During the slam, we leave space for members of our audience to share a five-minute story. This summer, we are bouncing stories off a wall with tales told live on stage, without notes or inhibitions, in the walled yard of the old Idaho penitentiary. I'm your host, Jody Eichelberger. Now we go off the wall, stories of going oddball, recorded on July 27th, 2021. At late night, we don't need no thought control, but we'll take some dark sarcasm straight up. It's late-night stories.
1: Fran Scott.
2: Hi, I'm Fran Scott, and I am a bit of an oddball. I don't have grandiose stories, but I'm going to talk eventually from a mathematical perspective, and if that doesn't make me odd, I don't know what does. (laughs) Thinking about my front yard. (laughs) And my front yard has a beautiful bed of flowers underneath the living room window, and in that bed of flowers, I have four rather large busts of Mark Twain, Nathaniel Hawthorne, and William Shakespeare. A friend gave those to me, and they look rather odd in my garden, and I have neighbors who will sometimes comment on that. But in my head, all I think about is, but you don't know the plan that failed. So a few years ago, I wrote a letter to Pyrex, and I said, hey, Pyrex, what do you do with all of those malformed, glass dildos because they are beautiful works of art and they are quite expensive and I had this idea of making a border in front of my flower garden out of these dysfunctional malformed dildos they never responded to my letter but a friend did tell me that you know the rejects they just melt down and use again. I was like, (laughs) don't. So I told you that I'm going to talk a little bit from a mathematical perspective. So I've always been a bit of an oddball. I grew up in a family with two other sisters. They were pretty, and they were sweet, and they were cute, and they loved to play dress-up. I loved to practice my times table. Why? Well in fourth grade I fell in love with Mr. Fielder and Mr. Fielder was my teacher and we were learning our times table. So every recess I would not go to the playground I would come back into the school and ask if I could help Mr. Fielder and he would quiz me What is nine times eight? 72. What is eight times eight? 64. He would quiz me as we changed out the displays in the display cabinet. So I consequently won the times table through 12 championship in fourth grade. If that doesn't make me odd, I don't know what does. But from a mathematical perspective, Oddballs are outliers, right? They are those dots, those values, outside of this bell curve. And in the middle of the bell curve, we have the average. We have the mean. And I've never really aspired to being really close to that mean within those two standard deviations, three standard deviations, where about 95% of the population ends up. I've always thought it really wild and awesome to be an outlier. And I encourage all of you to think about what a norm means to you and where your comfort level is and whether you want to maybe venture out from under that bell curve in a particular situation and become an oddball, fish out of water, Misfit. Odd duck. Outlier. Thank you.
1: Skylar Lenz. Oh my God. There we go, okay. <laughs>
3: This story is how I came across an odd map and some oddball characters. It was the summer of 2014, and I'm hiking the tall steps of the castle walls in Budva, Montenegro. Can you just come up a (laughs) little? Wow, twist. All right. There we go. Back to Montenegro. Now, I'm sweating profusely in this Mediterranean sun, climbing up these steep steps with my good friend, Scott. Now, how did we find ourselves there? Well, the day prior, we were in a hostel in Dubrovnik, Coast, Dubrovnik was it Croatia, and these two Canadian brothers... They tell us, you need to go to the land of giants. You need to go south to Montenegro, where every guy looks like the meanest guy on a rugby team and the women as tall as centers on volleyball teams. Sure enough, our enticing bit to it was the Canadian brothers draw us up a map, and they said, go up to the castle, follow a wall, find a crack in the wall on the easterly side, see a goat trail, follow the goat trail, find the stream, go up the stream, and you'll have yourself a waterfall. It's like, all right, I'm in, Scott's in. Sure enough, the map worked. We went up there, found the crack, found the goat trail, make it all the way. Now, granted, those Canadians could have put a couple more landmarks, could have been helpful. And we're walking up this stream and we see what looks like possibly a local standing there, shirtless, hanging out in the stream, and we walk up and Scott and I start talking to the to the guy and he's shirtless and we learn his name is Hadvoje. And after a bit, I was like, Hadvoje, are you are you from Budva? He goes, yes, yes. I am from Budva. It's like, oh, cool, man. Well, you know, Budva is gorgeous. He says, "Budva, Budva is shit mess, but for three months out of year, yes, it is okay." Now, Harvaje had his buddy hanging out under a tree in the shade. After a bit, Harvajay looks at Scott and I and just goes, "Okay, we smoke." All right, well, his buddy I learned later, Goron, had been rolling a joint under the tree. So he rolls up this joint, we start passing it around, and Goron is wearing this white tank top and a very noticeable Frankenstein-looking scar going down his left shoulder, crossed right here. The stitches must have just come out. I feel we're friends at this point, right? And I was like, you know, like, like, hey, Goran, like, what's what's going on with your shoulder situation? Yeah. You know. so like, oh, these. Do you know Volkswagen Golf Two? I was like, like, like the car. Yes, like the car. One night, I get very angry. I punch car very angry. He punched God. Yes. <laughs> I was sitting there. It's like, all right. Now I can tell you my theory on how that injury happened. Now, after some chatting, Scott notices the time and he goes, Hey, Skyly, we got to go, man. It's like, all right. And so I said, Hey man, we're going to head over to Pogaritsa tomorrow. It's the capital of Montenegro. Is there anything that we should check out there or see or do? And Harwajit thought about it for a minute. It's like, hmm, Pogarica? Pogarica? is shit mess. But, no, it is shit mess. Do not go there. No, no, no. <laughs> I was like, so in the end, I got a odd map to meet up with some very giant odd fellows. Thanks.
1: Amos, here we are. We give it a chance together for Amos.
4: Hi, everyone. How's it going? Great. I just signed up 30 seconds ago. So, uh, So I want to tell you about the funniest funeral I've ever been to. Um, so it starts out sad, it, you know, they're dead, so obviously it was sad, but it gets better. Um, so I grew up just outside, uh, Portland, Oregon, and, uh, oh, a few of you. Um, so, you know, it's a town, I grew up in a town rampant with both, uh, heavy drug use and Mormons. It was a very fun combination, um, and in high school, uh one of our friends uh, passed away. Uh, he had too much of the first one and maybe not enough of the Mormon part, but um, nonetheless, it was the first friend of all of ours who, who passed away, so it was a real shock to, to kind of the friend group. Um, his, name, his name was Jack uh, Pennington, and all the friends, obviously, were going to go to the funeral, and we really had no idea how to act it at one of these things, but luckily... Uh, we had a bit of a saving, saving grace at this. It was a very rainy day. Uh, Jack had graduated early, um, a year before most of the people in the friend group and had gone to the University of Oregon, uh, where, unfortunately, he passed away. Uh, so we were at the service, and um, to honor him as 17-year-olds in Portland, we all really stoned before the funeral. So we're standing in the back of the uh, service hall, and we're like just really have no idea what to do with our bodies everyone there is um in suits in ties uh and you know looking including jack which is the first time we'd ever seen him in a suit and tie um and you know we really did not know how to handle ourselves i mean this was very new to us so we were just kind of standing there in the back like oh my god this is very weird um, and a friend of mine's mother, who was the town lush, um, for the sake of the story, we'll call her Patricia Hersef, um gets up to give a eulogy, and no one really knows why she's going up there at all. And she gets up to the dais, and she's from South Dakota, and she has a very thick accent, And she starts going off about all the time she had with Andy. And we're like, oh, my God, she forgot his name. She's calling him something completely different at his own funeral. And we're like, this is going to be great. So she starts going on about the worst stories ever, and I don't mean worst in terms of embarrassing, I mean the stories are bad. They're bad stories. So the story I remember the most clearly is that she's talking about the time, Sarah, her daughter, my friend, uh, and uh, the Penningtons, we all went camping on Mount Hood, and it was getting real late, and we were setting up the tents, and uh, so I said, Jack, Andy, for this—that's what you really call him. His name was Jack. Call him Andy. You know, I was talking to Andy, and I said, "Oh my gosh, it's getting late. The sun's going down. You need help with that tent, Dad, Can I help you with the cat?" And you know what? You know what? Andy said to me, "No, I'm good." That was the whole story. And I'm dying in the back of this funeral home. I'm crying, laughing. And so I have to go outside because I'm laughing so hard. I have my fist in my mouth to stop me from laughing out loud at this funeral. I'm in the parking lot for like four or five minutes just laughing to myself in the pouring rain. And luckily I got in and because it was so wet outside, everyone thought I had been crying, which was perfect. It was ideal, actually. But when I got back in there, she's still up there talking. And at this point, she's not saying anything she's just going oh man oh it's just so sad you know when you lose a young one it's just it's just so sad when you know and it's like what a life that we last and i'm like oh my god i'm looking at all my friends and they're just like this is incredible jack would have loved this and i'm looking at sarah her daughter who's just on her flip phone, because this was 2008, texting. And then she's like, ugh. And I'm like, this couldn't get any better, except for it did. <laughs> the pastor in the end of the stage is like, oh my god, I need to get this woman off. But she is like drunkenly clung to the podium. And finally she kind of wh- whips up and says oh, my gosh, you know, I just had hip surgery, and they give you those pills, and they just make you so loopy, and oh, my God, I'm so sorry, you know. And she half steps down from the lectern and then gets back up and says, you know what, I'm so sorry. I had shoulder surgery, and they give you those pills, and they just, you go a little loopy, and it's just like, oh, my gosh. uh, uh, You know, Andy, it's like, wow. And I'm like, oh, my God oh my god, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life and the pastor is now right here on her just like, get the fuck off and she's right here and she's like, stepping down we're like, this is over, this is the saddest part of this funeral is that this speech is over and she gets back up and she goes oh Jack and she gets down and goes to her seat like none of this happened at all. And that was the best funeral I've ever been to.
1: Mika Bennett. I can't see anything. Okay, there we go. We got her.
5: Okay, it's actually Annika, but that's okay because everybody gets it wrong, including like my mom and me and stuff, so that's good. Um, my story of going off the wall starts when I was 11 years old and I decided that I was going to shave my head. I actually decided that I wanted to volunteer for this nonprofit called St. Baldrick's that raises money for pediatric cancer research. Um, and so basically, what you do as a volunteer is you sign up and then there's like a fundraising period. Um, and at the end of the fundraising period, there are national events like all over the country where volunteers go to have their heads shaven so you're both raising money and awareness, and I remember like when I pitched this idea to my mom, I was not thinking about actually being bald or you know I had no idea like how uncomfortable it can be to have to grow your hair out anyone who's done that knows it's like super awkward and weird. Um, I was just so excited to get to be a part of something in my community and work with this nonprofit and do something good for someone else so I signed up to volunteer. Um, And I started asking people for donations and telling them I'm going to shave my head, which kind of like provides some incentive for donations. And I started to notice that when I told adults I was going to shave my head, they'd have one of two responses. So the first response was like, that's a great idea, take my money. And the second response was, you're not going to shave your head. And I started, I was pretty young, but I started to get this impression from people that they didn't think I would do it because I was a girl. And also because at the time I had really long strawberry blonde hair that a lot of adults seemed to think I could not live without. Like I guess there are a lot of people in the world who still think that girls have long hair and boys have short hair. Um, And this was kind of like a few years before it started to be a lot more popular for women and non-binary folks to have shaved heads I think that style has become a lot more popular in the last few years, but I was 11 So I wasn't like surrounded by gender progressive badasses. I was surrounded by Adults who didn't think I'd do it because I was a girl and Obviously this only made me want to do it more um And I did. I went off the wall. And when I was 11, I shaved my head at a St. Baldrick's event. And I got to have, I think I raised like $1,500 and I got to have this really awesome moment. Yeah, thank you. Where, um, yeah, it it felt so good to be a part of my community and to give back. Um, And that's not really what the story's about. It's more about what happened after I shaved my head. Um, I remember like the first day back at school, all the kids wanted to like touch my fuzzy noggin. Um, And then the thrill of having a bald classmate died down pretty fast. And I also got bored of being bald really fast. Um, Like my sister would be curling her long brunette hair in the the bathroom before school in the morning and I would be ready 30 minutes early sitting on the couch because my mom wasn't chasing me around with a bottle of detangler spray. And so I got really bored. And then that boredom really quickly turned into a very deep-rooted insecurity. Um, because I'm sure many people know um, we hide behind our hair a lot. And that's that can be both a positive and a negative thing. Um, but I just remember looking in the mirror and feeling like my face was so exposed. And then my my insecurity grew into this, like, I, I was just had kind of convinced myself that I looked like a boy. And I was so insecure about the fact that I felt like I looked like a boy. And I remember this really upsetting thing that happened was when my hair had grown out a little, my mom took me to the hair salon to have it trimmed, and my stylist was finishing up, and her next client got there, and she said, I'll just wait here while you're finishing with that young man. And I was just crushed, because a complete stranger had just validated my deepest insecurity. And I remember thinking in that moment and feeling that I should have listened to all the people who doubted me and told me, you're not going to shave your head. And I remember just feeling so much shame for not looking what I felt, like not not appearing how I thought girls were supposed to look. And reflecting back on this now, I kind of do. See, my 11-year-old self as like an accidental, mini gender progressive badass because because I did, I wanted to defy all the people who were like, you're not going to do that. I wanted to prove that I could be a girl and bald and joyous at the same time, and then I so immediately felt like I had failed because I was so insecure about being bald. And I know now as an adult that I did not fail by any means for a lot of reasons, one of them being that I got to meet this really awesome version of Annika that went through a lot of discomfort and awkwardness and shame related to being bald. But she went through it, and she did it. And I'm proud of her for that. Um, And thank you. Now I get to be (laughs) uh, with this really awesome, badass, purple haired version of Annika that I'm really enjoying and having fun with. And I think I will eventually go back to my natural hair color. um, But because I've dyed my hair so many times, I'm going to have to shave my head to do that. But I'm actually like super excited to do it again because I know it's going to be uncomfortable and weird, but I know I can do it. And I'm really excited to get to meet that version of myself, too. Thank you.
1: Keep your hands going for Bean, everybody. And our sheep puppet. All right, so um, I was a traveling nurse with my friend Connie, who's here tonight too, in Huntsville, Texas, which is about 100 miles north of Houston in the Piney Wooded area. And that's where the Huntsville prison is. And the Huntsville prison is literally downtown. So it'd be like if you're downtown Boise, you eat dinner at Fork, you step outside, And there's the guy walking the wall right there. Oh, sorry. And there's a guy walking the wall. And they have this huge rodeo there, this prison rodeo. In fact, they made a movie about it called Eddie Macon's Run with Kurt Douglas. And it's also uh, Sam Houston University is there. And when my friend Connie and I, first got there and got all settled in and it was our first day there and we walked kind of downtown and it's a university kind of setting and we wound up in this bar and so then we were daytime drinking and and we're going to we sneak in and don't pay to see the female mud wrestlers and so they've got all these girls and they're wrestling in the mud and had to call the paramedics on on one of them because she swooned in the mud. And then we we met this oddball dweeb named PW. And I said, So what's PW stand for? He says, PW. okay. Well, he took a shine into Connie, and he was buying us lone star beers, kind of hitting on Connie. And we were standing on these chairs. And watching the female mud wrestlers, and I <laughs> moved my foot, and I thought I stepped on his foot when I actually stepped on Connie's purse. And I said, oh, sorry, I stepped on your foot. He says, don't you mention nothing but my partial foot. <laughs> okay. Well, just see, so you don't, because I'm real sensitive about it. <laughs> and then, so we snuck off to the bathroom after that, and left. (laughs) And that's my short story.
0: Thanks for listening. Story Story Night is funded in part by the Idaho Commission on the Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Thank you to our media sponsor, Radio Boise. Our theme song was composed by Ned Evitt. Podcast production is by Stephen Baldassari. Support this podcast by texting StoryPod to 44321. Find out how to participate in our live show at www.storystorynight.org or visit us on Facebook. Also, check out our YouTube channel. I'm Jody Eichelberger. Thanks for being a part of our story.